0: Hello, and welcome to the Scriptures Are Real podcast. I'm your host, Kerry Mielstein, and this is the podcast where we talk about elements that have made the Scriptures become very real to us because we think we need all the power we can get out of the Scriptures. I'm fortunate that today we're having a returning guest, my wife, Julianne. She uh, did a podcast earlier. I won't give a big introduction or anything if you want to go uh, to the podcast where we talked about uh, laws and uh, Leviticus and so on. Uh, You can hear all about her, but uh, I was really hoping she'd talk about a certain topic, so I twisted her arm, and here she is again. So welcome, Julianne. Thank you. Uh, And what would you like to talk to us about today?
1: Well, I love um, Hannah, and so I'm hoping we can talk about her and um, some of her experience and kind of go from there. How does that sound?
0: Sounds good. Let's go. We're looking down because the scriptures are way down here. Oh, I can
1: put them up here. Okay. (laughs) Whoops, sorry. (laughs) Okay. Um, uh, So just to to begin with, um, we see Hannah and her great desire to have children and the uh, hardship that's on her to not be able to have children. Um, and, And her husband, Elkanah, uh, takes real good care of her and loves her. And I think life is pretty good, although um, she just really fills this hole. And it's such a big part of the culture at the time and is a part of our culture too, but even uh, uh, played a bigger role, I think, uh, in the culture of the time. And and um, it's unclear, at least to me, who it is that kind of provokes her and maybe the other wife but kind of maybe seems like else. it's not 100 yeah. percent
0: sure but it seems like it's the other wife
1: um but but hannah is uh just really uh saddened by the by not being able to have um any children and in verse 10 she said first samuel's where we're at in verse 10 chapter one, chapter one uh she says she was in
0: i have no comments (laughs) about needing
1: glasses i needed the glasses okay um and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the lord and wept sore and I, i just love that verse because i can relate to it so much that that's the depth that she was feeling and she um prayed with her whole soul in fact later in verse 15 it says um, she talked when she's talking um, about her experience she's saying that she's prayed out her whole she says but have poured out my soul before the lord and it's just with that her whole soul um she is coming to the lord and praying um and uh jeffrey r holland talks about this a little bit Uh, he says it is significant that one of the ultimate evidences god has of our belief in deity is that we are seen and heard praying disciples of jesus christ should be seen and heard in prayer it is the key to the miraculous manifestations of heaven and the personal companionship of the holy ghost Uh, and i that's that's how i see this playing out here with with hannah Is that she is showing her faith and her testimony by coming to the Lord Uh, and then she vows a vow to the Lord about what she will do about um, if she's able to have a a son, and she says I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. Uh, And so she's she's ready to make that sacrifice and.
0: Um and I'll just add that the no razor upon his head is a, a sign of the Nazarite vow, which is the same kind of vow that Samson went through. Um, so that, that's saying you're uh, and often it's just for a period of time, but for some people like Samson and seemingly Samuel, it's for their entire life that you'll be dedicated to the Lord, and there are some things like you won't drink and uh you and you won't cut your hair and so on, you you'll stay ritually pure um, staying away from dead people and things like that. So, uh, that's, she seems to be dedicating him to the Lord as a Nazarite.
1: And it, it seems apparent to me that it didn't just start right now, right? That she's praying. This is something she has yearned for and thought about and probably gone to the Lord many times in prayer. And, um, and she probably, um, hoped for this to happen earlier, right? Hope to get a son earlier or a child at all, earlier in life than, than at this point. Um, and you can tell that by the, the fullness of the yearning, right? And so um, a friend of mine uh, shared a thought um, on Facebook, Natalie Rice, she's one of our students that came with us to Drus- the Jerusalem Center years ago. Um, And she says, 12 years
0: ago now, crazy.
1: And she said, I know much more now than I did 10 years ago. I prayed for things then that that now make me shudder. There are things I prayed for today that I now recognize God began the process of answering over seven years ago. The answer, yes, today, directly grew from a no then. And I think that's really a great thought for this particular story because. Um, Hannah has been yearning so much so that at this point, now she's willing, she's in a whole different place uh, at this point in her prayers, that she's willing to give this son to the Lord, who will become the Lord's prophet. But uh, this needed to play out in this way, and and Hannah needed to be ready for this sacrifice, and come to the Lord to offer her son in this way. And I don't think she was probably ready for that earlier in her, in her prayers and in her life. And, um, the Lord really knows the timing and there there's a reason for the timing and it's hard for us to remember that, uh, timing of the Lord, but, but also not stop stopping in our prayers and, and Hannah's prayers continued and they became more and more, um, deep, uh, and more with, with purpose and with desire as she came to the Lord. I don't know, is there something you want to?
0: No, I mean, I, I just couldn't agree more.
1: Um, and I think uh, really what I wanted to kind of come to and talk about partly was um, Hannah in her experience with an Abrahamic sacrifice which I very much see this as, and I, and I wanted to maybe remind us all that Abrahamic sacrifice really is just, not just, but really is a reminder of the greatest sacrifice uh, of Christ our Lord. And, and uh, James E. Faust says, any increase in our understanding of his atoning sacrifice draws us closer to him. And I think that's our goal. When we talk about the Abrahamic sacrifice, is to draw ourselves closer to Christ and understand the sacrifice he went through for us and also understand um, how sacrifices ourselves when we turn to him and give, then we are drawn. We also draw closer to, to the Lord. And uh, specifically with Hannah, I, I think sometimes when we're talking about like the Abrahamic sacrifice, we're thinking of a kind of a one time big sacrifice right abraham is being asked to sacrifice his son isaac and and it's i'm not trying to downplay that sacrifice right a big momentous sacrifice that none of us can even comprehend being asked to do but we also need to remember that it's not usually in our lives it's not just one sacrifice that we're actually give it's often multiple sacrifices throughout our life and maybe even a lifetime of sacrifice that we're asked to do uh, i think joseph smith is a great example and of, it certainly
0: was that way for abraham and, as well and
1: abraham as well yeah and so we just need to make sure that we're not thinking it's a, a one and done right it's um it's an extended sacrifice really it's, if the lord is really asking us are we all in? Are we all in? And that are we willing to uh, be valiant covenant keepers throughout our life and say, "Thy will be done." First, right? That it's about saying that in a a, a, a bigger, long term vision that that we're real willing to put Him first. And I, that's what I see with Hannah because she wants. Did you have something you want to say?
0: Well, at some point, but keep going.
1: (laughs) And she wants so much to have this child. And it's hard for me to comprehend um, where I would then be willing to not keep him with me and, and not have that full experience of having that child. And you and you have to remember, at this point, she doesn't know that there will be more children coming. That's later in the story. This is her maybe one shot of, of raising a child.
0: And, and you get a couple of little clues or senses of how difficult it is for her. right? She um, uh, she says to um, her husband, Elkanah, I, I'm not going to go up to the temple again until uh, I, I wean him. And so she nurses him and and typically, at least in Egypt at the time, and I would guess it was similar here, that's till they're about three years old. Who knows? Maybe you go till four if you're going to say goodbye. Uh, I don't know. But um, but we get uh, in, in chapter one, verse 24, when she weaned him, she took him up with her and with three bullocks and an ephah flour and a bottle of wine. So all this stuff that she's going to offer. Uh, and the child was young, but she she brought him to Eli. And uh, I love verse 27. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given my my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. So she says, look, the Lord came through on his part. I'm going to come through on mine. But if we were to look just a little bit later in chapter 2, um, we get just this nice little, uh, little thing, verse 29. Um, moreover his his meaning samuel samuel's mother made him a little coat and brought it to him from year to year when she came with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice you just it's to me such a tender picture that you just get this little idea that she never forgets samuel she spends the time in between her yearly visits making a little coat for him so that he knows his mother loves him and she can wrap herself around him in that way uh, I, it's just that little hint that this is difficult for Hannah. And it, as you said, it remains difficult. It's not a, this was one hard day. This remains difficult throughout her life. And and I would guess a bit for Samuel as well. Um, but she was willing to do it. It's it's really impressive. I think it absolutely is an Abraham. Exactly.
1: Yes. Yeah, it really is. And And even backing up just a little bit, her attitude in this whole thing is so significant. In the beginning of chapter two, she says, my heart rejoiceth in the Lord. This is as she's giving up her son, right? Uh, And she says, and then she recognized really where everything comes from and the strength that comes from the Lord. And she says, my horn is exalted in the Lord. And in the footnotes, it, it says that that figuratively means power and capacity. So she's recognizing that her power and capacity is enlarged because of the Lord. This is a gift from the Lord. Uh, to have Samuel as her son and, and she's rejoicing in the opportunity to give him back to the Lord. And it's, that's just that there's a lot of strength in that. And she then continues in verse two saying, neither is there any rock like our God. And, um, Mm -hmm. that she's just such a Mm -hmm. strong woman because she has her foundation in God. Right. It, this, this would, would probably break any mother who didn't have that strength of knowledge. And so backing up maybe one more time here, back in ver- uh, chapter one, verse 18. So backing up, this is before um, she has Samuel. So we just, we skip this, but I'd like to go back to it. Um, so Eli, so she has just been praying, pouring out her soul to the lord and and then she has a conversation with eli about it uh saying why she's what what she's doing praying for uh, praying about and then eli answers in verse 17 go in peace and the god of israel grant thee thy petition that thou has asked of him
0: and maybe we should just say who eli is eli oh, is the yeah. high priest right so um high priests and prophets don't coincide very often they will with samuel actually but uh but it would seem that often the high priest is blessed with at least a prophetic insider gift. So they are a kind of prophet quite frequently, right? Um, And uh, maybe not someone who's traveling around and giving prophecies and things like that, um, because they usually are gonna stay in one place. But uh, this seems to be a prophecy by Samuel and she recognizes, I mean, Eli, and she recognizes it as such.
1: Yeah, and she really fully does because um, then so she's not been able to eat she's so upset she's not been able to eat but she trusts in this this prophet right this this high priest who tells her this so much so she goes and eats, and she says and her countenance was no more sad so she put her full trust in the lord here right she is maybe come what may right she doesn't um know exactly except for that her petition is granted right and so she's putting her trust in, in the lord and and it's seen in her countenance right her countenance was no more sad fully um fully trust trusting in the lord and and i think we do see that i think i think you know uh president um holland when he was president of byu i believe talked a bit about the light in their eyes and, and seeing that countenance with those who have that testimony, who who know that their trust is in, in God. And and I think that's what's happening here for Hannah.
0: So maybe, I don't know if you wanted to go somewhere else with that. I'd like to contrast her with Eli, but if you wanted to talk about this a little bit more first, then let's do that first. Oh
1: yeah, maybe just... Uh, for a second here talk a little bit more about something else um and, and just maybe on that that gift of the holy ghost that's come upon her right that she's no longer sad and maybe i'll share is that quote too long no. mm-hmm. all right this is a quote from parley p pratt that i really love how it describes the spirit uh, and what it does to us uh, physically and it's, he says the gift of the holy ghost adapts itself to all these organs or attributes It quickens all the intellectual faculties, increases and enlarges, expands and purifies all the natural passions and affections and adapts them by the gift of wisdom to their lawful use. It inspires, develops, cultivates and matures all the fine toned sympathies, joys, tests, kindred feelings and affections of our nature. It inspires virtue, kindness, goodness, tenderness, gentleness and charity. It develops beauty of a person, form, and features. It tends to help vigor, animation, and social feeling. It invigorates all the faculties of the physical and intellectual man. It strengthens and gives tone to the nerves. In short, it is, as it were, marrow to the bone, joy to the heart, light to the eyes, music to the ears, and life to the whole being. I know all it says was th- that her countenance was no more sad, but I really kind of feel like this is a fullness of that that kind of description for her, is that she was just able to let go of that burden and you could see it physically in her, that 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 light of Christ and that testimony strengthening her. Um, okay, yeah, so I do think it's a poignant comparison between Eli, and and also his sons and Hannah. So is that what you wanted to talk about next? Yeah,
0: yeah. Unless you add something else. I no, mean, oh, that sounds great. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Well, um, I so I think we see in here that Eli isn't willing. He um, he is. He, he goes to his sons. His sons are uh, are priests. And at the temple and and slated
0: to become one of them will become the high priest when he dies. That's what's supposed
1: to happen. And um, they are they are not following God. They are turning away from him. And not only that, they're they're bringing others away with them, with their actions. And Eli, did you want to talk more about their actions?
0: Uh, Sure. Just, I mean, a little bit to help people make sense of it. So let's keep in mind when we say high priest, this is an Aaronic high priest not a high priest in the Melchizedek priesthood, like we talked about today, but an Aaronic high priest, but still, that's kind of the, the head of the, the priesthood at the time. Um, and uh, Eli is then oversees all other priests, and his sons have a pretty high office as priests, a pretty high status, because they're going to succeed him. Uh, they're doing a number of things. Uh, most of all, they're kind of abusing their priestly Um, privileged priests are supposed to be fed from some of the uh, offerings that's I mean this is how they eat is uh, they don't grow their own food or their own uh, uh, herds they eat from the offerings that are brought to people that's how it's supposed to work but there was a certain way they'd set up for things to work and they were abusing that system and taking more than they were supposed to which means they're taking from some of the other people and and the offerers and what they could eat Uh, So that uh, really they're, they're using their position for their gain and, and which means it comes at the cost of someone else. And the Lord asks Eli to do something about that.
1: Yeah. And Eli does talk with them about that, but they don't change. And, and, um, and that's kind of where that ends for him. I think he Uh, he doesn't do anything. Yeah. He's not willing to move them from their positions uh and and i think that is the sacrifice that god is asking him to make right we he he, maybe he doesn't want to have uh, a conflict with his sons maybe he he doesn't want to remove them from their positions because he wants them to be in that position and he wants them to grow out of this and so he's he's hemming and hawing and he's maybe even hiding it from himself a little bit trying to to downplay it um uh, and, and not willing, and, I, and I, I, think, I think we have a tendency to do that in our culture today, especially that we want to look aside and not see some of the things that are happening and, and not speak up in our families and outside of our families uh, because we don't want to, well, we shouldn't be creating contention, but we don't even want to try and put ourselves in a position where there will be conflict because we, we tend to fear man than we, more than we fear God. And, and I, that's really what the Lord comes down to saying to, um, to Eli, he says in verse 30 in chapter two, I said, indeed that thy, thy house and the house of thy father should walk before me forever. And then he says at the end of that verse, they, that despise me shall be lightly esteemed so he's saying that they're not honoring him they're esteeming him lightly and then they'll be esteemed lightly and 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 the outcome is pretty sad
0: yeah yeah and i think uh, the more we understand the abrahamic covenant the more we understand what's going here and it's a repeated theme throughout the scriptures and we've talked about it a few times already um we've talked about it with abraham we've talked about it with jacob um and now here it is again and especially this contrast right but let's make sure we understand The idea of the Abrahamic covenant is that nothing, you don't love anything more than God. Now, that's the theme that we've seen in Deuteronomy as well, right? That's our most important covenantal obligation is love God more than anyone and anything else. We don't love anything more than God, so we don't let anything come before him. The way maybe we would hear it now is nothing else should prevail more in our lives than God. God should prevail more than anything else. And that includes love of another person, although we should love everyone and especially family members. We can't love someone else more, and and part of that is, as you said, how it helps us draw closer to God, but but it, it, in a very specific way. So it absolutely is about drawing closer to God, but in a very specific way. Whatever you love the most will have the most influence in your life, yeah, and will. Uh, That's what you rely on the most. So Mm -hmm. when, and you may or may not know this, but when I teach this elsewhere, I always say, you know, I love my wife very much. And I think my wife loves me and she's certainly very good for me. I'm a better person for you and and what you do for me. But as much as you would like to exalt me, you can't. You are incapable of exalting me. Only God can do that. God and his son, Jesus Christ. So if I love you more than God, that's not going to work out. Exaltation will not happen that way. If I if I'm putting you ahead of him, if I then I, I draw closer to you than him, I trust in you more than than him, and so on, and I will not be exalted. And so this is for our own good that God is asking us to not let anything, including family members or whatever else, prevail in our lives more. Now th- that doesn't mean you turn away from family members and the spirit will direct you how you work this out in all sorts of different situations that's exactly
1: right it's always according to the spirit
0: yeah but in this case the spirit had told eli what to do
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and he wouldn't do it and whereas hannah did it Mm -hmm. so hannah put god before the love of her child and eli put the love of his children before god and as a result Uh, god it says that eli will be removed but what he really means is that it's it it won't continue through his household instead samuel will succeed him because samuel also is going to demonstrate that he puts god before anyone else
1: and i think that's an additional contrast right from eli is samuel's willingness and that he is listening to the spirit right he hears and 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 he's so humble and willing right so when he hears the lord first he says uh here am I, right? So how it yeah. goes, and um, and he thinks, you know, he thinks it is Eli, and Eli doesn't respond. So he runs, right? And that's also, I think, part of what you see here is his willingness to be be a servant, right? He runs to Eli, and Eli says it's not him. And this happens three times where, where Eli or, or Samuel hears the Lord and says, "Here am I," and goes to Samuel. The third time, Samuel, I mean, sorry third time eli says this is this is the lord next time that happens listen to the lord and and samuel samuel does so and you can see how how samuel continues to be willing it's, it's continual and it's and you I, I was actually when i was reading through it this time really um, surprised at how many times samuel Uh, the the scriptures talk about how Samuel is growing in the Lord, and verse 11, the Lord, sorry, the child did minister to the Lord before Eli the priest, and then in verse 18, but Samuel ministered before the Lord, and then again in verse 21, the child Samuel grew before the Lord, Um, and then verse 26, the child Samuel grew on and was in favor both with the both with the Lord and also with men,
0: which will later be said of the Savior. The Savior. Right? I was going to yeah. say that
1: too. Yeah. And, uh, and then in chapter three and the child Samuel ministered un- oh, for first, first verse and the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And so, uh, and then in verse 19, uh, and Samuel grew and the Lord was with him. And, and he did let none of his words, this is from what the Lord was telling him, did none of the Lord's words fall to the ground. So he, he is uh, like, as his mother Hannah, he is making this lifelong sacrifice, Abrahamic sacrifice, continual life, or he continues to turn and to the Lord and, and, and be able to show that he is all in right he's willing to do whatever the lord is asking to him in, including having a diff- very difficult conversation with eli about what what the lord had told him which it seems that eli was aware enough that eli handled it really remarkably well but
0: yeah and I'll, we'll talk about that transition maybe in another episode um, uh just because of some technical aspects of that but uh, but you're right, and I and look for this theme in, in Samuel's life. You're going to continue to see that Samuel is someone who loves God prevailing in his life more than anyone or anything else, um, whether that means making kings mad or whatever else. Uh, Samuel's going to put the Lord first,
1: and he has a great example with his mother. Yeah, and 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 talking about Hannah, maybe one more time. Hannah, I'm sure, is aware. Uh, because, because even the scriptures, it talks about how the people knew about what Eli's sons were doing and their bad example. And I, from my own position as a parent, I could see myself hearing such information, knowing my son who I've turned over to the Lord, is there being raised in an atmosphere that is not a good example. And I feel like as, as a parent, I would feel anxiety right anxious about wait i have given my son up to the lord and now this is how he's being raised with this this bad influence in his life and uh but again i think hannah's strength again comes from knowing that this is what she would had promised that she would do and the lord would take care of samuel and 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 she just continues to trust in the lord and not in a certain path right And sometimes we get stuck in a certain mindset that if we've done a certain thing, right, that we'll have a certain outcome, right? So maybe that Hannah says, I'm giving him up. He's going to be raised um, unto the Lord. And so that will be just beautiful atmosphere for him, right? And because that would be trusting in a certain outcome, right? Trusting in the Lord is completely different sometimes, Mm -hmm. a different path, a different outcome. And, but yet she holds strong, and uh, I think, I wonder if I wouldn't have gone and picked up my child and said, well, I guess we're going to end, I said, forever for his life, but yeah, this isn't what I was expecting, and, and, but Hannah stays true to the Lord, and, and the Lord stays true to her, and, and Samuel stays strong, and he doesn't follow the path of Eli's sons, and he, he turns to the Lord, so I think. I think just again and again we're seeing different examples of, of sacrifice and turning to the Lord, and the opposite, opposite where that that's not being shown, um, and not the example that's being followed. But
0: that's powerful. I'd, I'd never thought before about uh, Hannah hearing about what was going on and having concern and so on. I, I'd never thought of that before. That's one where you've made uh, the scriptures become all the more real for me today. Thank you for that. And. And hopefully, it's done that for.
1: Can I say one oh, more thing before we I know it feels like we're ending, yeah. <laughs> and maybe we should have, but because
0: I need to read five minutes ago.
1: Okay, <laughs> well, just one more thing is, is as I think sometimes um, we we you know Hannah pleads to the Lord that remember me in my um, my suffering, right? She really wants the the son. She can't see what's going to be happening, how great things life will turn out for her, that she'll get a son who's a prophet and then she'll get other children in the future. But she pleads remember me. And, um, and I think sometimes we, we do that and then we forget to look back and, and continue to look back, uh, at the way the Lord does remember us. And, and we forget that if that the Lord does love us, But if we spend time looking at our lives and the Lord's hand in our life, we will more quickly see his love. And if and if we and we become grateful, and I think it's a a pattern that as we become more grateful and we're looking, the Lord gives us more blessings. And I think this is also what happened with Hannah, because she's she is quickly went to rejoicing. When she was able to have a son and then be able to give him up, and then as she returned back, and Eli blessed her again with more posterity, and, and I think this is just that same pattern. That if we're wondering if God loves us and if He remembers us, look for Him in our life and continually remember to do that, and we will see His love for us. And that's okay. <laughs>
0: There's nothing more important to have than real than that. So. Yeah.
1: There's a, there's some strength and beauty in the story of Hannah and also in Samuel.
0: Hopefully it's become more real for you and if uh,
1: it's helped you or you know something else, help you.